0: why the book of Nehemiah is so, so significant. I'm just going to, uh, in a real kind of normal voice, not King James prophecy or anything, but I'm just going to tell you prophetically, you're going to begin to hear people talking about the book of Nehemiah. I just believe it's the season God is introducing to the church. I believe people are going to use Nehemiah as a frame of reference for what's about to unfold in the body of Christ. I've not heard it yet but we're going to hear it because I'm hearing it from the Lord and I believe we're going to begin to hear this rebuilding is happening. I want you to understand the Western World Church, we talk about it a lot because it's something that the Lord is doing right now in this hour. There's major reformation happening in the body of Christ around the world. We have the privilege of working with churches in many nations now. It's incredible watching them uh, in what's taking place. And God is wanting us to give him our undivided attention, our undivided affection and become the church he's called us to become. We love the church we're not mad at the church we just want the church to grow and become everything God's called the church to become and so we're going to do that together we're going to grow in this in greater understanding as the Lord uh, reveals and so I want to invite you to this so Nehemiah here's the thing that we're going to find out as we look at Nehemiah God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things so crazy but when you look at the Bible and you're Uh, reading about this mighty prophet Isaiah, chapters 44 and 45. Uh, Isaiah gives this prophecy that the temple will be rebuilt, and one named Cyrus will give the command to rebuild the temple. This is a great prophecy and a great prediction that took place, but here's the problem. That happened in 700 B.C., 700 years before Christ. Isaiah gives this prophecy that the temple would be rebuilt, but the temple was still standing when he said the temple would be rebuilt. So the fullness of that is this temple is going to be destroyed and then it's going to be rebuilt. And some dude named Cyrus is going to give the command for the temple to be rebuilt. So the problem was the temple was still standing. And the second problem was a guy named Cyrus hadn't even been born yet. How many of you believe the word of God is amazing? Amazing. Like, that's crazy. This is a recorded prophecy in in 700 B.C. Before it could be fulfilled, the the prophecy was given. Like, the Bible is full of this type of prophetic proof and evidence for us. We can trust God's word. And so, in 586, Babylon, this was, what, 114 years later, Babylon invades Jerusalem and destroys the temple. Now the temple needs to be rebuilt. Now we need somebody named Cyrus to emerge Babylon was then conquered by Persia, and this Persian king by the name of Cyrus connects with Daniel, and you can read about him in the book of Daniel. These books all tie together. Again, mighty man of God, Daniel, this prophet from God, and and the connection and the relationship exists, and guess what Cyrus does? Cyrus the Great gives the command and fulfills the directive, the prophetic directive, as he says, let the temple be rebuilt. It's amazing. This is like phenomenal when we start to understand. And this was all significant to Nehemiah because Nehemiah is used to rebuild the city walls. So you've got this other book called Ezra, Nehemiah and Ezra actually used to be the same book, and then they separated them out, a more modern uh, translating of the way the Bible breaks down. Uh, it's, it's perfectly fine the way it all is, but you understand these two guys, they worked hand in hand. Ezra actually led the second return of the exile into Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. Nehemiah... He he leads the third return. And this is where we're going to pick up as we start to understand what's taking place and why all this is significant. Isaiah was a prophet. Ezra was a priest. Daniel, mighty prophet. Nehemiah, none of the above. you understand? Like this is really important. This is one of the few books, in fact, only two books of the Bible that I can think of where we're actually hearing from somebody that kind of is a nobody, that actually is a somebody because God said so. And so I just want to say, most people hearing me online in this room, you have struggled with feeling like, who am I? I'm not really somebody. I just want you to know you are who God says you are and God wants you to be used mightily by him in every context of your life and that is the plan of God. So Nehemiah wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a priest. He was a layman who served the Persian king in a secular position before leading a reformation of his day and this is significantly aligned with what God is doing in this hour of the church. If the sleeping bride will begin to wake up and not just be awake, but be fully awake to the presence of the Lord as our way of life, all of the world will be changed and transformed for the glory of God. We are the gates through which God's kingdom invades the earth. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, Psalms 24, that the King of glory may come in. How many of you say, God, open the gates, and God is saying, you're the gates, open the gates, let him in. Like, everywhere you go, you carry God's presence. Your workplace actually can experience the presence of God because you're there. But you've got to understand who you are. Well, who? Me? I'm just ordinary. Exactly. This is why Jesus comes and shows up, and like, his whole family line is a mess. Have you noticed this? Like, how many of you, your life has been a mess? Can I just see? I mean, Billy. Billy. Billy, man, your life's been a mess. Billy told me this last week some stuff about his life. I just want to say, Billy, I'm glad you're on track to serve the Lord your God. (laughs) Listen, all kinds of drug addiction can litter your life. 18 years, the prison can litter your life, but I just say Jesus is Lord, Jesus is alive He can redeem, He can restore God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that you can ask or imagine Do you believe? Sometimes you need to look in the eyes of a Billy Sullivan to remember God is able to reach into this world no matter what And you are the carrier of the presence of God. You have to understand who you are. Nehemiah is going to remind you of who you are. He's going to remind you of how to walk this out in your everyday, ordinary life. Just just pause for a moment, would you? Just open your heart. Just lift your hands, would you? (laughs) Lord, we invite you, awaken us, deepen us. We don't want to be more emotionally charged than we are spiritually mature, but it feels good to get rubbed up and to embrace the reality of what you're desiring for us to possess. So let the seed of your word be deposited in our lives, take root deeply and begin to produce this tremendous harvest in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You have to understand who you are. You're the sons and daughters of God in the earth. Our lives in this world, our transformed lives in this world is proof positive God is God who says he is, sent his son Jesus to transform the world around us. So think about this. used to say this all the time. haven't said it in years. Your job is what you're paid to do, but your work is what you're born to do. Some people get so caught up in chasing the American dream, all they ever do is focus on what they're paid to do, and they never even look at what they're born to do. And in your job, where you're paid is actually your work, if you'll pay attention to what God is doing in that moment in time. In the same way, we come up here in a posture of worship, and we don't just get through the songs and then go on but we pause and just say, Lord, what are you up to? We're trying to just be sensitive to him. Tracy wasn't supposed to come up here and talk today, but she was impressed of the Lord to do so. We just want to be sensitive to what the Lord's doing. We want you to be sensitive to what the Lord is doing. That's how you discover your work. You don't just go to your job, and this is what I do, and this is when I arrive, and this is when I go home, and this is the way I drive. Listen, sometimes you need to pay attention. The Holy Spirit might tell you to go into work a little bit early and pray over all the desks and see the fire of God start to fall in that place as people's hearts begin to be open to what God desires to do. Yeah. Smith Wigglesworth walked onto a streetcar in, in the middle of, of, you know, he was the only one there as a believer. He stepped onto a streetcar to take a ride. And as he stepped on that car, suddenly just the presence of God filled the car. And people on the streetcar, without a word ever being said, began to weep and cry in the presence of God, repenting before God Almighty. Yeah. This is who we are. We are carriers of God. We would agree God is more powerful than all the armies on the planet. Can I get an amen? Amen. God is in you, therefore every believer is more powerful than all the armies on the planet. Got to translate this into expectation and faith and belief. And everywhere I go, I'm carrying this presence that can dismantle and disarm anything. That may come my way I want to grow in this how about you your job is what you are paid to do your work is what you're born to do so pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is up to and you'll discover your work work even in the midst of your job so Nehemiah ordinary believer government job serving the king without his ministry the work of God wouldn't have been established in the earth and Nehemiah shows us how God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things when we submit our lives to his desires sacrificially. So his work involved things like working with city officials, securing building permits, scheduling lumber and supplies to be delivered, like rebuilding stuff. Uh, it may not look spiritual, but done in the power of the Holy Spirit, it is all of what God was doing in that moment in the earth, and he was using Nehemiah's availability to do so. I, um, Tracy and I know a police officer, and he shared that he was in northwest Oklahoma City, and he got an alert that a, a child with special needs was separated from his family, very young child's special needs separated from his family in southeast Oklahoma City. The cop was in northwest Oklahoma City. He said as soon as he heard this announcement over the radio, he's a Christian, the Holy Spirit prompted him to turn right at the next light. He did what the Holy Spirit told him to do, turned right at the next light, and this little kid was standing on the corner who they later found out really loved police. Somehow he's no longer in southeast Oklahoma City, Somehow he's now in northwest Oklahoma City and when the cop turned right, the kid was standing there waving at the cop car and he was able to pick him up and and bring him back to his family. This is what Christians ought to be like in the world in which you and I live. (laughs) St. Nicholas like, was a real dude. He was motivated by the heart of Jesus to become so generous that there's a legend that we, I'm sorry for those of you who still believe, but we still celebrate today. St. Nicholas got a word of knowledge from God about children that were being smuggled out, uh, abducted, and they were putting the children in pickle barrels to smuggle them out. They couldn't figure out how the children were disappearing. He got a word from God, shared a word of knowledge, and exposed a ring of child abduction. This is, I mean, we can hear the voice of the Lord if we'll just learn to get in a place of prayer and pay attention to what he has to say. As you read, you're going to discover that Nehemiah had incredible favor, and he made amazing plans. But this is what you'll see. He prays before he plans. There are people, we tend to either be praying people or we tend to be planning people. How many of you know planning people probably need to pray more, and praying people need to plan more? And there's the practical side of the spiritual and the spiritual side of the practical. And actually, we're called as the body of Christ to somehow bring those two together. He is the Christ, but he's Jesus who came, tangible, touchable man who's now you know, raised seat to the right hand of the Father, but the Christ never left the earth. We're the body of Christ. We're not just supposed to tell people, be blessed, be well fed, but we actually give them something physical, so we break the spirit of poverty off of them. We give them something in their hand so that in both realms we're functioning. You and I are the salt of the earth. Salt is sodium chloride. Sodium alone will kill you. Chloride alone will kill you. But without the combination of sodium chloride you will die. The body of Christ is the salt of the earth. Practical alone will not bring life. Spiritual alone will not bring life. But the spiritual and practical coming together will actually release something that will transform the world around us. This is who we are. Revelation chapter 3 1-6. to six. In the same way Isaiah gave a prophecy, uh, I, I jumped ahead, would you just put, take that on just for a second so I, I have undivided attention because this is important. In the same way Isaiah gave a prophecy that would be f- fulfilled 160 years later or so, this is a prophecy we read out in the book of Revelation, that there will be a last days church that will grow disconnected from what God is doing in the earth. That's what this is saying. Have a reputation of being alive. A bunch of people might be a part, but you really don't have the life of Christ in you. This is a prophecy the Bible gives us. Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. I know your deeds. You have a reputation for being alive, yet you are dead. You have a reputation for being alive, yet you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains, which was about to die. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. God is reviving the churches in the day of our lives. Reformation is happening and as we pay attention to what God is desiring to reveal, we are going to step into a place of greater life and we are going to awaken that life in the lives of people around us in a powerful, profound, and significant way. A church that is truly alive to the purposes of God will transform a society in any society in which it exists. Everywhere we go, we bring God's presence. To real life. It's who he's called us to be. John chapter 15, verses four and five. You guys have used up most of my time. <laughs> Remain in me. Can we just all stand, worship team? You can come on. Let's just stand in his presence. Let's just receive his word. Let's acknowledge the reading of the word of God releases something to the atmosphere of our lives and the atmosphere of our world the atmosphere of Dallas City and the atmosphere of Oklahoma City the atmosphere of the state of Oklahoma the atmosphere of the nation of the United States of America the atmosphere of the nations of the world are impacted this is what Nehemiah has to do in rebuilding so that once again the reading of the word of God can be given as the work of God in the earth as everyone gathers around the presence of God. And we see Ezra the priest and Nehemiah, this builder. They're both building, one spiritual, one practical. We'll see it more uh, clearly over these coming weeks. But they work hand-in-hand together and there's great release that happens when there's security in the borders and the Word of God is being revealed and the church is being established. Apart from me, you can do nothing. God is rebuilding and restoring the church of our day to cause us to understand, to be fruitful and multiply, is a part of the Great Commission to go and make disciples. And to do this in a way that actually reaches into our five-foot circle everywhere we go. Everywhere we go. God's presence, GP2RL for us, God's presence to real life, Uh, this is how I want to ask you to bring God's presence to real life in your context this week. Read the book of Nehemiah this week, committing to two chapters every day. If you want a little bonus reading, read the book of Ezra, because it'll be hand in hand. I didn't know how much to go into all of this, and I know we'll be kind of wrapping up here in a moment but I actually got a message from Brad I think it was this morning and he said uh, something about just the open doors God is bringing and it it took me back Uh, Jason Sobel is the rabbi for the chosen series like he's the one who verifies its doctrinal accuracy he's a phenomenal guy And he's been talking about how the Jewish New Year is about to come. And it's the year 5784, which means, translated in Hebrew language, the year of the door. And I heard the Holy Spirit saying before I heard any of that, we're about to come into a place of great harvest. The church is coming into a place of great harvest souls are going to be won into the kingdom of God. People are going to come to know Christ. The church is coming into a great harvest. God is about to bring finances into the church. The Bible actually says that in the last days the wealth of the world will be transferred into the hands of the righteous. And the reason God wants the wealth of the world in the hands of the righteous is because the righteous people will actually do good things with whatever is in their hands. So we're believing just for a tremendous season of harvest, souls, finance, redemption, restoration, all those things happening in this year of the open door. It's the year of the open door. I, I know this is kind of crazy, but Nehemiah chapter 8 is going to talk about the Feast of the Tabernacles and as I was just reading the book and I got to chapter 8 again and and realized the Feast of the Tabernacles is there where they gathered in tents and the Holy Spirit said to me look at the calendar I'm just telling you (laughs) on our schedule when we get to chapter 8 of Nehemiah and it's about the Feast of the Tabernacles it's actually the same week this year where the Jewish calendar will be celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles I just think the Lord is in this and it just kind of ought to be that way like there should be a little super added to the natural in the way we walk this thing out so come on we just surrender to Jesus today fresh and new fresh and new Lord, would you lead us into this revelation of an extraordinary yet ordinary individual that we read about in the Bible who was used mightily by God that we can identify with when we're willing to surrender our hearts to you. So we just begin now by saying, Lord, we surrender our hearts to you. Take us into a deeper place of what it means to walk with Jesus. Jesus is Lord. He is who he says he is. He came. He lived. He died. He's risen from the grave. The single most provable incident in the history of the world is the crucifixion of Christ. We believe he is the son of God. If that is the belief of your heart and the confession of your mouth, would you say a great big amen? amen. And like salvation is really that easy. You respond in your heart in a declaration, Lord I believe and I just want to grow in my relationship with you so I'm going to ask if our worship team will just make their way down and we're going to take just a couple of minutes of pressing in would you just allow the Lord to awaken a little of what he's deposited and stirred and I would invite your prayers next week as we look at Nehemiah chapter 1 and see what the Lord desires to reveal in this amazing book of the Bible Lord, would you just have your way in all of our hearts. We surrender to you. And we want to grow in our understanding of what it means to walk with God in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, just as we worship, then I would encourage you, um, if there's anything we can pray with you about, come find your way to the prayer team and let us agree with you for whatever the Lord's stirring in your heart.